everyone. My name is Dave Crookton, and I am one of the uh, middle school ministry teachers here. I started here about six, seven weeks ago. And uh, I got a group of guys out here. Spencer asked me to give my witness, and it's a fairly profound story. Um, and it really affected my life, not too much older than when you guys were this age, or when I was your age, I should say. Before I start, though, let me ask, has everybody ever been on a boat on a lake? Okay. Are you, have you ever allowed yourself just to sit in the boat and let it drift? It kind of goes wherever it was, wherever it wants, doesn't it? Okay. Here's a little, little mariner point. If I wanted to get on a boat and I wanted to go from New York to London. And I set sail, and I, my, my coordinates were off by one degree. One degree, that's not much. Do you know that not only would I miss London, but I would miss the entire continent of Europe? Okay? Remember that, because I'm going to come back to that in a minute. When I was your age, the things that were important to me in this order were sports, academics, and friends. Notice there's no God there. When I turned 16, I turned 16 in February. I got my driver's license. I had maybe a month's worth of experience before I had to take my sister back to college, because it was March, spring break was just getting over. So my sister and I and my next door neighbor, Hal, got in the car. He was sitting in the front seat. My sister was sitting in the back seat. We took off. We were driving down the road as I was taking her back to college. And it began to sleep. And being an inexperienced driver, I was driving about 65 miles an hour with the cruise control on. And when my sister made the proclamation, hey, it's getting kind of slippery. You might want to slow down. As soon as I touched the brake, the car began to spin. And the car began to spin. And I remember immediately how I felt when that started. First of all, inexperienced driver, the first thing I did was I pushed the brake pedal darn near through the floor of the car. That's how much adrenaline was going through my body. But it mattered not, because we were spinning. And we were spinning fast. And the last thing I remember was a telephone pole in a row of mailboxes that we were heading right for. I closed my eyes ready for impact, and it seemed like forever. Then I opened my eyes. I asked, is everyone okay? And everybody was fine. We all got out of the car. We walked back up to the road, seemingly without any damage to the car, or more importantly, any damage to us. And we looked 
and you could see where our car slid right up to the telephone pole in those mailboxes, and the tracks stopped and then reappeared on the other side. So as you might imagine, we sat there completely and utterly stunned. When you talk about having a God-type moment or a God-type experience, that was it for me. That was it for my neighbor, and that was it for my sister. My sister and I, to this day, still talk about that. We're both Christians. Christianity didn't, didn't come visit me, though. I kind of was struggling with that at that point in time. It wasn't until six years later, when I was in a hotel room in Amarillo, Texas, on business, and I stood and wanted to receive the Lord into my life, and I extended my arms out like this, looked up to the ceiling, and I said, God, I surrender my life to you. I ask your forgiveness of my sin. At that moment, I was thrown to the bed, and I could feel the Holy Spirit coming through me and into me, and it felt like there were, the, the whole room was filled with the Spirit. And there was an exceeding amount of joy there that it, it's, 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 you, you can't even describe it. It was so profound. Remember I asked you about missing the entire continent of Europe? That's our life. You see, true mariners, when they go off and they set off to go on a journey, they have to calibrate their compass to find true north. Because the reality is, is that the waves will just take them off course and continue to drift. And even though they think they're heading in that direction, they continue to go off course further and further and further. That's our walk with Christ. We have an opportunity to do one of two things. We can choose to recalibrate our compass and find that true north. And that recalibration is merely having a daily walk with the Lord. Just going to him and saying, here's what I'm dealing with today. That's your calibration. Are you going to run up against winds that try to push you off course? Absolutely. You are not immune from the challenges that life brings your way. But what you can do to overcome those challenges is remind yourself daily. Walk with the Lord. Ask him to show you that true north so that you do indeed stay on course because it's very, very easy to just ignore it. One day turns into two. Two days turns into three. Three months turns into four. Four months turns into five years and on and further and further and further we go. You spend the time recalibrating your compass. God makes this promise in, in Psalm 32.8. I will guide you with my eye upon you and counsel, way, counsel you in the way you should go. Remember, it's a journey. Make the decision now because the decision is much easier now than when you get 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years down life's path because you have a true compass 
in Jesus Christ, and he will guide you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our true compass, our true north. I pray, Father, that we would take this opportunity to remind ourselves to get into a habit of daily recalibrating our compass to you, walking with you, because you have promised you would guide us with your eye upon us and that you would counsel us in the way we should go. I pray now, Lord, that your spirit would invade our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. That got loud quick, didn't it? I'm sorry. So over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be inviting some of the leaders that you guys see every single week, day in and day out. They're going to come up to this stage and they're going to share their story with you. Because we know, and in my own life as well, guys, I have seen God work and I have seen God do things that I now have no excuse. But not only that, I continue as I've thought through who God is and I look up at the stars and I see how huge the universe is. It's a constant reminder that I serve a God who is huge that created this world and I can learn about him and grow in my faith and grow towards him. And my desire is for you guys, as you hear some of these stories about how God worked in somebody's life, that you'd begin to maybe see, maybe be able to pinpoint where God may be working in your life. One of the things as I was growing up, my mom in middle school and high school, she, she went through these phases, these phases with food during supper time and during breakfast. I don't even know why. I don't know what got into her. I don't know if she was looking at the internet too much. I don't know what it was. But I remember going through, I don't know how many of you guys have gone through like with your parents, the shake phase. So you have shakes for every meal. Um, my mom went through like a no grains phase with us. And so we didn't get to have any grains. She made like nasty zucchini spaghetti and lies that people tell you are not actually things. Yeah. And then she she went through like a no sugars phase, everything. You can't imagine the things that I dealt with in middle school and high school. Those, you wonder why I am who I am. But one time she decided she was going to make spinach meatloaf. The reason she wanted to do that was because spinach meatloaf, you take the grains out of meatloaf because you usually use bread but she wanted to use spinach because it, it was like a different recipe. I don't know. We were in the vegetable phase of life. 
And so she made this spinach meatloaf. And I was, the whole time I was just like, Mom, it's going to be nasty. I'm not going to eat any of it. And that's a lie because I ate everything. And uh, I was like, but I'm not going to like it. It doesn't matter. It's gross. It's, oh, yuck. I can't believe you're trying to feed me this stuff. Then she put it on my plate. We started eating. We're a family of six, so I have three. I have an y- older brother and I have two younger sisters. And we're eating it. And I, I still, feel, you know, whatever. I actually liked it, okay? Sue me. I liked it. So I started eating it. And, but here's the thing is I didn't want mom to know. Like, I don't ever want her to make anything remotely close to like that ever again. Even, and even though I liked it, I didn't want her to know. So I was hiding how I felt, right? And I was like, uh, oh, no, it's nasty, mom. I can't believe you'd make this. And I had to keep concealing it as I got seconds, right? And I'm like, I'm just hungry. That's why. And so sometimes we hide the way we feel, right? Because it's easy. It's easy to hide the things that are actually going on inside of us. But here's another thing that I think is even more significant. Sometimes the hardest feelings to be honest about are your feelings towards God. Here's the thing. Oftentimes, it's easy for us to hide our feelings around those who are in our life, maybe our parents. You don't want to tell your parents about the things that are going on in school. Maybe somebody's bullying you. Maybe something happened with a girl or a boy, and you're like, ooh, I'm not telling my mom about that. Um, And so you, you kind of hide those feelings. But here's the thing, is I think that oftentimes we get into the same mode of hiding our feelings from God. It's important for us to learn and to realize that you can be real about what you feel. We're going to get into scripture a little bit earlier tonight, and we're going to get into this passage, but here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of give you an understanding of where we're at. You see, we're in the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These books were written by four different authors at similar times, and what they did was they recorded the life of Jesus Christ. They recorded the life that he lived, they recorded his death, and they recorded his resurrection. What's unique about these Gospel accounts is that there are 90% of credible historians, meaning 90% of historians that they, they've had like a master's degree or a doctorate level degree. They're like, they know their stuff. 90% believe that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are credible sources of history and record actual truths and historical facts. They believe that they are historically accurate books in the Bible. And not only that, but we also have other sources that claim similar things that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do called extra biblical, as well as people who weren't even Christians and didn't believe in Jesus wrote about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who went before Pontius Pilate and then talked about how he died, but also talked about then seeing him again. Guys, the story, the account of Jesus Christ back then affects us today because it was so historically accurate. And as we have studied Jesus's life, we're looking towards the end of his life on earth. And as many of us know, the end time of his life on earth was when he died and he rose again and showed himself for another couple of months and years to the disciples teaching them and proclaiming truths and helping them to see what it was going to be to now be the church. Guys, we 
are what they dreamed about one day becoming the church, the kingdom of God here, learning and growing, developing and serving those around us. But right now what's happening is Jesus is just before the time when he is going to be arrested, he's going to be put in chains, and he's going to be brought before Pontius Pilate where he's going to be crucified. And before this time, Jesus knows that God has a plan and a purpose that's happening, but Jesus is authentically real with God. Listen, listen to this. Jesus is authentically real about his feelings with God. So what Jesus does is he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And what he's going to do there is he's going to go to pray. So we're going to read in Luke 22, 39 through 44. Jesus went out, as he usually did, right? He's usually going out. And to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. Sorry, Gethsemane comes later. And the disciples followed him. He drew about a stone's throw beyond them. For me, throwing a stone, it'd probably be like a million yards. Am I right? And knelt down and prayed. And listen to this prayer, because this is very significant to how we understand what Jesus was doing in this situation. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. At this time, Jesus realizes that he needs to suffer. There's times in our life, guys, today, I had to get a tooth extracted from my mouth. I have a missing tooth right now. Now, I knew that that pain was coming. When the dentist was telling me what he was going to do, I wanted to slap him. Because I don't know why anybody would ever think that was cool. And I was very upset about it. And I remember several times while he was sawing my tooth, I was just gripping my legs and I was sweating. And I was like, oh, this is the worst thing. I just don't like the dentist. I'm sorry. And so I'm just like freaking out. And he knows. But <laughs> and then once in a while, I'll just be like, oh, it's okay. I can't feel it anyway. Why am I so worried about it? Right? And so that's what's happening. But at this time, Jesus knows that he is going to suffer. Jesus knows what is going to come. And he gets onto his knees and he goes before the Father. Guys, Jesus is God. But yet he chooses to be authentic with God the Father, to be vulnerable, to take a moment to actually be real with God the Father. And he says, Lord, take this cup from me if you will. What he's saying there. He's saying, God, can you take this away from me? Can you find a different way to save your people? Can you find a different way for, for us to reconcile the world to ourselves? Because this is going to be a lot, and this is going to be hard. He was in anguish. Guys, he was in anguish to the point of having sweat that was with blood inside of it. So it was red-looking. There's actually like a scientific term for this. This actually happens. It's very rare, but it's been studied. The disciples would not have known that, so they wrote, well, his sweat was like blood. Guys, at this time, Jesus is in anguish about the real feelings that he has about who God is and what he's going to do. And he's authentic with God for a moment. 
and he's real about the way that he feels. But he chooses to do one more thing. He chooses to say one more thing that helps us to realize where his heart is. Is although he, he's, he's in anguish about what's coming, although he is asking God to do something else, although he is asking that he not have to go through what he's going to go through, he says, not my will, but yours be done. He says, I trust you, God, with whatever it is that is going to happen, knowing that, God, you know, you are truth. You can be real about what you feel and still trust Jesus. You can be real about what you feel and still trust Jesus. Guess what? I know that there are questions in this room. I know that some of you are confused about what it is that God's word really says. I know some of you are sitting here and you're like, I don't even believe in God. How can I continue to even think about some of these things? I believe the leaders here believe, who have had experiences with a real and living Jesus who died, who rose again, who went to heaven, who sits at the right hand of the Father, yet sent the Holy Spirit to be a part of our life, that when you're real with God, when you're authentic with God, when you're vulnerable and you tell him how you're really feeling, I know that he is a God who wants to meet you. But it's learning how to be aware of where he is meeting you. So what do we do now? So now what? Here's two things I want you guys to take from here today. Two things I want you to hear from me today. Number one, get real with God. In your life, I know there's stuff going on. In your mind and in your heart, I know there's stuff going on. Maybe there's sin happening. Maybe there's, maybe there's a struggle you're having right now. Maybe you're doubting or you're questioning who God is in your life. I ask you to get real with God. Choose to take time to be vulnerable because he wants to listen. Because he actually cares about how you feel and he's listening so that as you get real with him, as you lean closer into him, he is going to open your ears and he's going to open your heart to who he is. And, and sometimes that's through prayer. Sometimes that's through music, through worship. When you hear those lyrics that are like, I needed to hear that right now. Maybe there's, there's people in your life, trusted adults that you can ask questions to that want to walk alongside of you and want to help you to work through the questions and the doubts and the hard times in your life. But not only that, don't just get real with God. Keep going with God. Remember what Jesus said. He didn't just get real with God. He then said, but I trust you. I trust that this is your will. And I'm going to walk with you wherever you're calling me to go. So tonight, as you go into small groups, I want you to think about what it is that's going on in your own heart. Where are the questions? Where are you are you doubting? Are you are you going through different challenges at home right now? Are you going through challenges at school, maybe with friends? Are there things that you need to get real with God about? I promise you, our God is so much bigger than those things. And he so wants to know you and to be with you and to to hear from you 
and then to walk with you through those things. Let me pray for you, and then you guys can head to small group. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are a God who is here, that you're present, and that you are with us. I pray, Lord, wherever we are all at, whatever place we are, Lord, that we would get real with you. Lord, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there's difficult things. But Lord, I pray that we'd get real with you. And Lord, that you would show up in those times of vulnerability. Lord, thank you for tonight and for these students. Amen. Guys, I love you. I want you to have an awesome night. I will see you at Midnight Madness or next week. Have an awesome time at Small Group.